Folks, and welcome to episode 3192 of the Survival Podcast. It is a Thursday, time for a Just Jack show. As I promised, we will discuss the gloom and the doom today and some solutions as well. A lot of crap that's going on. We're going to laugh at the left losing, even though we're not going to fall into the belief that politics really makes the difference a lot of people think. I'm going to tell you why the left is losing and they deserve it and how bad they're likely to lose. I think it's going to be far worse than even the... TV people are telling you right now, and they're losing in other ways, too, which is interesting, and it's at least entertaining. Before I get into everything, my disclaimer is down there in the video for those not on the audio only. We will never contact you for any personal information or private chat, etc. in the video comments. Just because you see my logo does not mean it's me. Please don't fall for it, because it happens all the freaking time. Though I've been on it pretty hard, and I've been able to at least shut it down on YouTube uh, pretty well using some specific filters and things like that that I will not reveal because who, who knows, some of the people that run these bots may be paying attention and I don't need them to know how I prevent them from showing up. I got a bunch for you today. Um, coming right out of the gate, I want to let you guys know something just weird happened right here. So we had the F-35s, and it's not because they're after me. There's a Lockheed facility not far from here uh, where they do a lot of maintenance and uh, National Guard training and stuff like that, and they, they service and they uh, manufacture F-35s. So they come through here quite a bit, and sometimes the noise gets in the way when I'm live streaming because I can't pause a live stream, and they were coming in. But it made me think of something. I wanted to ask you guys, if anybody knows what might be going on, there's been a weird thing happening lately. I'll be out in the garden or something like that, and I'll hear the jets. But generally, when you hear these jets, they come in like they're quiet, they get louder, and they decline as they go away. Everybody's experienced that. There's something going on right now, and it's almost like they're playing with like a sound stealth technology or something. I don't mean to be conspiratorial or anything, but I'll be out there, and it sounds like the jets are right on top of you almost, but there's no sound of them coming in. It's like somebody flips a switch. It'll run. It almost sounds like you're running a vacuum or something, but it's clearly loud enough and deep throaty enough that it's jets somewhere out in the sky. Only well, makes me think of, remember Airwolf when you were kids, uh, for those that are old enough, and they had a, or was it Blue Thunder? One of the two that they turned into a series, like they had like a silent mode and they could turn it on and off and what have you. It makes me think of that. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, what are we going to talk about today? Tons of stuff. German anesthesia. Not anesthesia. I'm sorry, amnesia. Is it German amnesia or Germain amnesia? Maybe somebody can help me with this. I'll tell you what it is. We're going to lead off with whatever it is. It's the most interesting thing I learned this week. We're going to talk about what PayPal is doing and continues to do and threatening and what have you. And I want you to just think about how it hurts people uh, as you deal with, you know, dealing with them because it does hurt people you care about. And I'm going to explain that in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about CBDCs. We're going to talk about U.S. growth domestic, gross domestic product went up. Brandon's doing a good job. We'll talk about why that's not necessarily true. And number don't go up don't always mean not inflation or, I'm sorry, not recession. Credit, Credit Suisse is uh, cutting 9,000 jobs. Yeah, that's kind of indicative that we're into uh, recessionary mode. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a point in time where you start to go, I think I've seen this movie before when you start to see stress on the banking sector, et cetera. Isn't there? 
Doesn't this, you know, cause Hunters is saying that I am old. Hunter says I'm old, uh, but I'm not old. Uh, I don't need to be old, I guess, to remember like bank stress being a problem. That's only like 2008, right? Remember that? And everybody said, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay in 2007. And some redneck farmer told you it's not going to be okay. And then it wasn't. Remember that? Those that were around back then. MSN is uh, on record with a coming housing crash. We'll talk about that a little bit. Elon brought a sink into Twitter headquarters. Bunch of other stuff. Let's get into it. Let's start out with the best thing I learned about this week. And the the speaker was, I believe, Hispanic. I'm not 100% sure on this. Very smart guy. And it was not about what I want to talk about. It was an aside. He was talking about this misguided belief that, that quantum computing will destroy Bitcoin or whatever and how ridiculous it is. And he actually went deeply into quantum mechanics before he even got into the whole way that it interacts with quantum computing and things like blockchains. But at the very beginning, and I can't find this, so I can't figure out if I was just misunderstanding his pronunciation. It sounded like he referred to this concept several times as German amnesia. German amnesia, like the nation Germany. It could also be he was saying Germain or something else. And since I can't find the video, it was something on Twitter, and I don't think I retweeted it, unfortunately, because uh, I really would like to listen to it again because it's kind of mind-bending his understanding of quantum mechanics. But what is German amnesia? This is something I've talked about, but I never had a term for it. So I'd like to lock down, is this his own term or is this a real term? But this is what it is. You're reading the newspaper because it's 1985, or you're reading the paper online, you're reading news, you're watching TV. You're, you're listening to a news source of some kind, either through auditory or visual or what have you. And you happen to be hearing them talk or you're reading an article about something that you are very informed on. You are very knowledgeable of maybe you're even an expert on the subject because it was important to you. So you did your research and then you read their take and you go, uh, bullshit, right? And you know, it's bullshit. You know, all the ways it's bullshit and you write it off of as the media's lying again, right? And then you turn the page and you encounter a subject that you're not an expert on, that you're not well-informed on, and it says a highly thought-of scientist or a technologist or an expert or whatever says blah, 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 blah. And in this very tiny brief window, your amnesia kicked in. And you're now accepting valid a source that you just for yourself disproved five seconds ago. Because since you don't know, your mind says it's easier just to believe what you're being told because, well, this sounds right. This person has a master's degree in economics. They must be telling me the truth. Oh, my God. I need to know if this is a codified term, if I just understood this man wrong. This is something I need to make part of the TSP ethos. It is maddening to me to listen to people. Tell you how much you're being lied to by the media and the government and then turn around and defend the media and the government in the next breath. And this is what it is. So whether it's germane amnesia, German, whatever the hell this is, the whole country's infected with it. Because all of you are informed enough about a subject or two that you see what? The Fnords, F-N-O-R-D, F-N-O, the Fnords. If you've never read Illuminati Trilogy, you really should. Fenords are 
pieces of dis- disinformation in plain sight. Today they've gotten very predictable. If you see blah, 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 blue bullshit, blah, blah, blah is a headline, comma, experts say, you're 99.9% looking at a Fenord. Because who are experts or scientists say or doctors say or study says or studies say, right? That means you have two. You have two. They could have been published in the International Journal of Medicine in uh, Dubai or whatever, where anybody can pay their way. But there's two of them. So studies say this is so, so incredible to me. I want you to think about it a little bit different. You have this member of your family who lies to you about everything. They have a drug problem, alcohol problem, something like that. They're always lying, saying they need money. You know they're liars. You don't even blame them individually. You just know that a person with a substance abuse problem, when they run out of money, they will come up with anything to tell you why you need to give them money. And you know this. But one day they tell you a brand new story you never heard before. You go, oh, here you go. And you give them your money. And then you're shocked. When they end up with a needle in their arm laying on the floor. Now you wouldn't do that because it's close to home, but this German amnesia concept, since it's in this codified thing, the prestigious media, the government, the education system, the university system, for God's sakes. Oh, well, it must be true. And it's only, you're only taking that approach because you don't know the truth. You're not an expert. You're ill informed. And so I have to say that if you're not already there, if you see it in media, if somebody from the government tells you it, you should immediately be skeptical. The second you hear from a liar a claim of the truth, you should suspect a lie. Now, liars don't always lie. This is where it gets, you know, hard. You gotta, you gotta weed through it yourself because the best way to lie is by telling a partial truth. The old saying, a clock that is five hours wrong is not dangerous, but one that's 15 minutes wrong is. Because you'll trust the clock that's only 15 minutes off, but both of them are a lie in relation to the time. So if any of you guys know what the hell the right terminology here is, or if you've seen this video, because you're one of my fellow Bitcoin enthusiasts, And you've, you, you've, you've, you've watched this and you know what I'm talking about. You can get me a copy of it. Uh, gel man amnesia. I don't know. G E L L hyphen man amnesia. I wonder if that's it. Cause I just couldn't understand. The guy was, uh, I had to put some effort into understanding what he was saying, not because he was unintelligent, just because it was a heavy accent. It was very clear English was not his native language. Somebody dig into that and see if it's right. Uh, gel man amnesia. Anyway, I think you should be aware of this because it's the only way to stay on top of it because what happens to all of us is when it meets our perception bias or our, our, our preference bias or our confirmation bias, we tend to swallow this crap with gel man, German, germane amnesia, whatever one it is. Um, Arhild says it looks correct. So that's a new term for me. Hopefully it's a new term for you. We'll dig more into that one in the future. I, I hope there's been some real research done into this. This would be a fascinating thing to dig into. Okay, with that in mind, I want to move into uh, something about PayPal. So a few weeks ago, PayPal had in just showed up in their terms, and somebody actually read those terms and saw it in there, and it said, if you do something we don't like, we can take $2,500 per offense from you, 
for publishing misinformation. And the, the thing about that is a lot of things that were deemed misinformation a year or two ago are now deemed as fact. And a lot of the people that were chartered with the responsibility of telling what misinformation was were wrong. I don't know, like Hunter Biden's laptop actually did end up in a pawn shop and had all this shit on it. Like the person that was literally temporarily anyway put in charge as the disinformation czar got that wrong because, well, they didn't get it wrong. We all know what they did. But somebody said, so what PayPal says now is, uh, well, we won't do it for misinformation. But we'll do it for intolerance. And that little clause that they said they took out and was never intended to be in the terms, it's back. It got back into the whole situation. So uh, Hunter is publishing a link right there. If somebody could uh, email that to me because there's no way I'm going to find it in the chat while I'm doing this. Uh, I, if that is indeed the uh, guy I'm talking about, that's the link. If somebody emails me to that, I'll get it into the audio show notes for you. Um, anyway, uh, where was I now? I'm lost. Yeah, PayPal did this thing, but I'm going to tell you what I think they're really doing. And it hurts people like me the most. See, if you're really big, uh, Pippin says canceled PayPal won the $25 fine. Okay, but this is, a, I want you to listen to me. I want you to understand if you're doing that, I, I totally support it, but I want you to think about any of the causes or people you support, not just me. Uh, Jason Bassler and I have been talking about this on social media from the Free Thought Project. We have kind of the same opinion of this. There are people that were not big enough to really big up, be on PayPal's radar. I kind of like not getting any bigger than I am. I think I get away with a lot of shit that I wouldn't get away with if I was bigger, if I was the size of, like, what's his name, Tim Pool from TimCast or, like, Rogan size or something like that. You, you get a lot more... Um, you get a lot more crosshairs on you when you get that big. I, I've never really wanted to. I like having a tight, small, supportive community that we actually engage with each other and talk to each other. And so if you want to hurt all of those entities, then you know what you could do is PayPal is kind of pull a, a fast one. You put out this information and all the people that really hate what you're saying, they leave you as customers and when they do, they cancel all of these accounts. And then all of these people that they have on some kind of re recurring support, um, they just, you know, stop. Or if you have a recurring membership with somebody like a Jack Spirit, because I've gotten dozens of emails, guys. And thank you to all of you who have sent them. Hey, I just canceled my PayPal account. And when I did that, I realized, like, my auto renew for your membership program is going to be canceled. And how do I switch my payment form? And the answer to that is kind of complicated, and it is you can't until your current term expires. And, I'll, and if they have, if you have like a special price where you got in a locked-in deal or whatever, when it happens, I'll give you a code. Email me. And I think many of you, when your term is up, if you've done this, will get in touch with me, and you'll stay customers. But I also know people get busy, right? People like change your mind. And one of the reasons when you build a recurrent revenue model, you put people into an auto renew and we're very clear about it. it says four times in the sign up process that it's auto renew and you can cancel anytime. And if you email me and say, I forgot about it, please cancel me. I always refund you, but it keeps people more likely to remain long term customers. So every single person that cancels PayPal that was my customer using PayPal to pay me, you've canceled that auto renew, whether you realize it or not. And many people are like, yeah, I'll sign back up. But then people get busy. And in the end, I think this is going to cost me tens of thousands of dollars in the next year. 
and not by any malice on any one of my customers. And do you think that they didn't know that? Do you think that they didn't know that? And, and, uh, Snedley, Stymie Snerdly is saying strike replaces, uh, pay, PayPal. Yeah, sure. But, uh, strike's not set up to where I can make them basically a payment method right now. I do use, and this is what I wanted to get to. I use Stripe, not strike, Stripe, like a line, Stripe as a payment processor. I saw what PayPal was doing. And so five years ago, I added a second option for payments. And I would say about half my customers that are paying by credit, debit, et cetera, uh, are using Stripe. If you go sign up as a new account holder today, you can pick PayPal or Stripe, and it defaults to Stripe because they've been less like this, right? Now, anytime we're dealing with the banking industry, this could become a thing. I just want you guys to think about it. And again, not me. If you are canceling PayPal, I fully endorse your decision. However, think about the causes and the people you support and making sure you close that loop, assuming that you want to. Because I, I do believe that this is exactly what, there's no other good reason for them to have taken this approach. There really isn't. Um, and from what my understanding, they took that language out, they put it right back in and slightly altered it, but the $2,500 per offense is still there. And the, um, the, the, the terminology now is around, you know, because it's in one place and then the acceptable use policies in another place. And uh, I believe PayPal has specifically stated uh, that they are going to um, hold you accountable for this if you are intolerant, whatever that means, which could also be misinformation because it hurts somebody's feelings. In any event, the banks are not your friend. More on that coming very, very soon. Next, uh, and let's go right into that. How about um, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Like this guy here. This is a Gustin Carstens uh, for those, or Castines. I can't pronounce his name. He's, he's from Mexico City. Uh, he is the, uh, the governor of the International Bank of Settlements uh, from the IMF. Uh, I'm going to call him Jabba. Those of you guys that are on the uh, video, I uh, can see clearly why I would call them, uh, call him Java, but he's talking about CBDCs here or central bank digital currencies. I want you to listen to this. This again, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Uh, the key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that expression of central bank liability, and also we will have the technology to enforce that. Those are those two issues are extremely important, and that makes a huge difference with respect to what she, to what cash is. Uh, a key difference in, with the CBDC is that central bank will have absolute control on the rules and regulations that will determine the use of that uh, expression of central bank liability. And also, we will have the technology to enforce that. Those, are, those two issues are extremely important, and that makes a huge difference with respect to what, she, to what cash is. Uh, okay, this should actually chill you to your bones. I know it's a little bit hard with the language barrier to completely understand him, maybe, especially for those on audio only. 
But basically what he just said is once we have CBDCs, we have complete and full control over how, where, and when people spend their money. That right now, if you go out and spend a $100 bill, we have no oversight or control of that. But down to spending a $100 or a $20 bill, we'll know exactly where you spend it, how you spend it, and if we want you to spend it that way. And if we don't want you to spend it that way, we can just turn it off. And this is a game changer. This is a wonderful thing. Think of all the illicit activity we can shut down. Like, you know, your right to eat like steak or maybe we just we don't mind that you eat steak, but you can only have so much steak a week. I mean, do you know how the supermarket system works right now when you go through it and they have all those barcodes? Do you think it's actually hard to integrate into those systems to where you have an allowance for things every week? I want you to think about it like this. Occasionally, I might go grocery shopping on a Sunday. Now, I try not to do any of my shopping on the weekends. That's when all you muggles, people that have regular jobs, are out there. And uh, so it's much better for myself or Dorothy to go shopping during the week when everybody else is at work and there's less people in the store. But sometimes we have to do that. Now, in Texas, we still have this legacy blue law that says Jesus is very offended if you buy beer or wine before noon on Sunday. Now, at exactly noon and later, it, Jesus is no longer offended and I am allowed to buy beer and wine. I don't mean to offend anybody's sensibilities that is a religious person. I don't think you're the reason for it. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people that made this law and continue to keep this law in place. It is absolutely ridiculous. Why well, you don't need your alcohol. That's not your business. And maybe I just went and bought a bunch of groceries. Maybe I got friends coming over. Maybe I wanted to pick up a 12-pack for my friends to drink. And I happen to be sitting there at 11.45, and i got to take my shit, and i got to wait 15 minutes for the time to change so I can walk out the door with the same product. This makes no sense. But the bigger person, Tom says, he thinks Jesus is offended that you can't just buy wine whenever you want. I would agree. I'm talking about the mindset behind the law. But very good point, Tom. Good jab. I like it. I like it a lot. Anyway, so what does that tell you? That the technology to deny sale exists. All you got to do is plug a CBDC into it. Oh, Mr. Schmierko, I see that you eat a lot of meat. You will eat some bugs and be happy. No, I won't. I will always have alternatives. This is part, this is part of why I push Bitcoin. It is not just number go up. It is freedom go up. And I, I, I saw, I mentioned Jason earlier, Jason Bassler, we'd been talking about this thing, uh, with how the PayPal thing hurts people like us. Because it's our people that will be the first to cancel. And then maybe forget about us. Uh, but we also were chatting this morning on MeWe and he said something about we have to resist central bank digital currencies. You're not gonna resist it. You see th that big fat ass that I just had on the screen? People like that, even though they have no legitimate authority, have power. They're going to do this. What I said in the show notes is believe people when they tell you who they are, that they are that person, especially when what they're telling you is bad. I don't necessarily believe a person is who they say they are when they're like, I am a wonderful person. You should like me. I will never hurt you. I will never let you down. I don't trust that person at all. Right. That person has to earn that over time with performance. But when somebody comes out and says, I'm going to do this malicious thing and it's a wonderful thing and it's good for me because I get what I want out of it and I don't care what you think and they have power. I trust that they're telling the truth about who and what they are. You need to believe Jabba there. 
Jabba is working hard to make this happen. This is coming. I didn't bring the video up, but you guys, if you haven't seen it, should totally look at the video of the new prime minister from the UK talking about central bank digital currencies and talking about anything. The guy looks like, I, I shit you not, this dude looks like, people say he looks like a robot. What I think he looks like is a guy that was taken hostage, got Stockholm syndrome, then got pumped up with a bunch of happy drugs, and he's reading in a total like trance-like state his own freaking ransom letter. This guy is a total freaking tool. He's all in on central digital currencies. They are coming soon. They are coming faster than you think. They will come to America last, or they're going to come to America in some other form. I keep telling you, what I expect to happen in the United States is to bring in stable coins under FDIC, and that will be a de facto central bank digital currency. Because the issuing authority, right, for that stable coin will have complete and total control. It'll probably even look a lot like Bitcoin in the way that it'll work, right? And it'll probably even have a, a proof of, even though they say we hate proof of work, it'll probably have a proof of work component, but it'll be a centralized proof of work based system. But it doesn't even matter. I could be totally wrong about that. Something's coming where they're going to be able to just turn you the hell off if they don't like what you're saying. Or they will just be able to regulate what you can buy. Or they will be able to force you to pay for things that they think you need to have, like health insurance. So why do we need a tax for a health care system if we can just say every person out there should be investing at least 15% into the cost of their own health care and they just force you to pay for insurance? And you don't think they can do that? I'm not saying it will be easier. It'll just be a, a knockdown blow and happen overnight. I'm telling you, that's where all this is going, and you better start building alternate economies. And I will pause for a second here for K-Bonk and say thank you for the $20 super chat. And K-Bonk, I did see your comment on the Bitcoin breakout uh, episode, and I want you to know that, no, YouTube did not not announce the live stream. There was no live live stream. Uh, this Tuesday because my guest had to remain anonymous and out of an undue sense of caution, if something had gone wrong during that, uh, I, I did it as a stream private so that no one could see it. And then I turned it on after it was over. So for once, you know, YouTube didn't do the evil thing that we thought they did. Next up, I want to tell you lies are coming. And misdirection, and I have links in the show notes for all this stuff, even the stuff I'm not bringing up on the screen. But we got some really good news about the economy today, guys. The GDP that was down for the last two quarters, which signifies a recession, but it's not a recession because Brandon said it wasn't a recession. It's gone up uh, 2.2%. Now, it was supposed to go up like 3.1%. It only, it only managed to get 2.2%. Uh, so the economy's in recovery, and that's what you're going to hear the Democrats say. And I'm going to tell you in a minute why that's just not going to work and why they're about to get their asses handed to them in an election. Like, I, I think 1996 will, will, will not even be close to, uh, was it 96 or 94? The, the Gingrich revolution, the Gingrich contract, like it's going to be worse than that. They're going to get hammered. They are going to get hammered. Um, but this 2.2%. Increase in GDP. There's a bunch of stuff here. I have a link to an article on Zero Hedge that does a pretty good job of breaking down how a lot of this is like, 
well, we did spend 40-something billion dollars that went to Ukraine. And you have to think about what does GDP mean. It means all the money spent on goods, products, and services in the United States. Whether those goods, products, and services stayed in the United States or not doesn't matter. It means how much money we spent both privately and publicly this quarter. In other words, it's just a measure of spend. Now, there's a couple things in here, and Jeffrey Tucker is tracking this down. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what he has to say next week, because he's a great thinker. I love Jeffrey Tucker. If you've never followed Jeffrey Tucker, you should totally look him up over on Twitter and follow. In fact, you should, if you use Twitter, you should totally, why aren't you following me? You should follow me. There's my Twitter handle right there in the thing. I am the survival pod C on Twitter because I didn't really understand Twitter when I initially signed up. Anyway, Jeffrey Tucker's digging into this. Zero Hedge has done a pretty decent job already with it. And uh, I, 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 I'm going to add to some things here, though. And I, I, I turned Jeffrey onto this, and I hope he goes down this road, too, because it could just be when certain things fell or were chosen to be included. I think it was about four-ish, five-ish years ago that a decision was made in the calculation of GDP to include future payouts on pensions when they were calculated and determined that they would be paid out in the future. So if this quarter we figured out that in 10 years we're going to pay out a bunch on pensions and that went down into the ledger as a calculation, it went into this GDP even though it wasn't spent. Yeah, I know that sounds retarded and it doesn't seem to make any sense, but if you check that shit out, you'll find out that it's true. Again, we spent a ton of money on foreign aid. We passed these huge spending packages. So what we have is a situation where the Federal Reserve is increasing interest rates to try to rein in inflation, but the government, in a need to make the illusion that the economy is getting better, just keeps spending more and more money. So you can spend more money and you can have the, 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 the economy be in a bad state, but the GDP looks like it went up. You see how that works. It just, then here's the other side of it. And this is what the uh, folks at zero, uh, zero heads are not saying. What about just inflation itself and its effect on GDP? All GDP is, is a measure of spend. There's a lot of ways that they try to give you some hocus pocus bullshit. Uh, with fancy words, but in the end, that's all it is. How much money did we spend? It's not a measure of value. It's a measure of cost. So if the cost at the grocery store, if the cost of gas, if the cost of everything goes up, and if a huge portion of those expenses are inelastic, meaning it's not discretionary spending, You pay your electric bill or they ter turn the power off. You put gas in your car or it doesn't go to your job where you have to go to work. You buy the food and you eat the food because if you don't, you will starve and you will not be easy happy, right? So if the cost of everything goes up, the GDP can go up even though the, the economy itself is in a really bad way. I'll put it another way. What do you think the GDP looked like in Weimar, Germany, about one year into it, when the, you know, the famous story of people taking a, a, a wheelbarrow of money to buy a sack of potatoes or a loaf of bread? Well, GDP looks great. Now, expect, expect that the branded administration is going to run wild with this. This is their attempt at resurrecting their demise. Hey, look, guys, the number's higher. It's working. The only people that believe this are people that are going to support the Democrats anyway. 
Okay? That's the only people that believe this. The person who's going to vote in the coming election, who truly is a person that will vote one way or the other, or simply go, you know what, I don't want either side, so this time I'm not voting, which when you don't vote for your side is a vote for the other side. When you vote for the other side, it's a two-vote swing. You take one and you give one. And that's going to happen hard. Now, you guys know me. I'm not cheering for any side here. But this is coming freaking hard this year. And this little BS play here of, look, we made the number go up, it's, it's, it's right in with what I said yesterday during my discussion with Paul Wheaton. When I worked in the corporate world, whoever I was putting numbers together for, if I'm putting them together for myself, all I wanted to know is what does the person looking at this want to see? What do they want it to look like? And I could make, unless it was complete down and I'm trying to make it look up, I could make it look like whatever they wanted to see. If we had modest growth and I wanted to make it look like extreme growth, all I do is change the axis on the graph, change the baseline. Where do we start from? Oh, by the way, here's a little little sleight of hand. Look at the pretty girl magician trick with this GDP shit. What are we measuring growth from? Are we measuring the third quarter's growth of 2022 based on the total state of the market from, let's say, 2021? No, all we're measuring is, Is the GDP higher or lower than it was in Q2? So you have down, down, up. You're still down, guys. It's all hocus pocus. It's all bullshit. Don't, don't fall for it. Don't, and now I tell you guys this, don't relax your efforts for prepping. Don't think that things are getting better because they're not. Let's keep going with this. So Credit Suisse, Credit Suisse, however you say it. Uh, one of the largest uh, banking institutions in the world, uh, one of the largest private banking institutions as well, somebody that finances shit everywhere, somebody that got their ass handed to them with fines recently uh, because they uh, they were, you know, financing illicit activities. Uh, of course, you know, the bankers are the ones we need to trust with the central bank digital currencies. They announced today that over the next few years, they're going to lay off 9,000 people. One of the largest financial institutions and most influential financial institutions in the world, Swiss banking system, is going to lay off 9,000 people. Now, they're not all Swiss. You know, these guys have hubs like in New York and London and the Middle East and all over the world. And they say this is going to save them about $4 billion. Guess how much money they lost last year or up till about recently, they measured over the last year, about $4 billion. So they're going to cut by what they lost is what they're saying. Now they're going to cut significantly by the end of the year. About a third of these jobs will be cut by the end of the year. When Credit Suisse is announcing a layoff, that it, by the way, is approximately 20 to 25% of their workforce globally. That's not signs that the economy is getting better. And you got to think about where they're at. They're in the, they're in the realm of financing. That's what these people, they finance things. And remember how bot banks in our modern system do financing. They don't take money that they have and give it to you, right? That's not how fractional reserve works. You demonstrate that you can repay the loan or have collateral for the loan, and your promise to do so, okay, 
your promise to do so allows them to print money. You're actually downsizing from printing money in a for-profit money printing operation. Guys, this reeks of 070809. This reeks of the banks going under stress. And it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It is going to get worse. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Again, I have links to all this if you want sources in the show notes. I never claim shit if I can't prove it. Uh, next up, the MSM, i.e. the mainstream media, is now on record saying that we're going to have a housing uh, correction coming soon. Uh, I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but CBS News, it's about as mainstream as it gets, says home prices could fall as much as 20% next year. Now, think about this. Do you think CBS News wants to make a good case for the Democrats or the Republicans in the coming election. Do you think it's, is it good for the Democrats to have a mainstream media outlet releasing a story saying the housing market is going to tumble another 20 points by next year, go like less than two weeks out from an election? Who benefits from this? Well, I'll tell you who benefits from it. Well, the Republicans would if anybody reads. I know, I don't know if anybody reads CBS, but if you're CBS, this is like you could wait two weeks to put this out unless you just really kind of want to be on the record. So you can say, Hey, it's not like we didn't say it was going to like it's so obvious that you kind of need to put some stuff because I'm sure this is not above the fold stuff. I had to dig for it. But when mainstream media starts to tell you a housing market correction is coming, let me tell you what it means. A housing market correction already is here it's already started it's already ongoing this is this is how they go guys and ecomouse says 36 likes yet 149 watching smash that like button if you're getting anything of value from jack's session today and make that algorithm get some well-needed pt for the fat room do not incur the wrath of the ecomouse the ecomouse is dangerous when you don't listen to her please smash that like button uh, Project Walden said the same thing. Smash that like, folks. Anyway, th- this is th- 20%. When they're willing to say 20%, look for 40 in reality through next year. Not for all markets, but the higher they go, the far harder they fall. Massive correction is coming. And tune in tomorrow, and I'm going to talk about how this is playing into geographic arbitrage within domestic relocation. Complicated words, it'll make sense if you listen to my segment at the end of tomorrow's show. Uh, but major housing correction on the way. And this hurts, like I said, so you have the cost of everything remaining high while the value declines. We have mortgage rates higher than they've been for, I think, 15 years now. And the Fed's not done yet. As the government continues to pump the GDP with spending, the Fed has to keep hiking rates to try to slow down Runaway inflation. It's like they're, they're, they're like two guys in boats, like doing tug of war with rowing. It's, it's crazy that what these idiots are doing. Um, and sooner or later, something has to break and either way it breaks, it's bad. But in this case, eventually what you're going to have is this massive crash in housing. And when you, when you couple a recession into that and layoffs, and I covered this a few weeks ago, most Large companies in the United States have stated that they have lay- layoffs planned in the next 18 months. 
So once people start losing jobs and they can't service the debt on the house they already have, and you're going into a place where, oh, gee, I, I, I mean, I could have bought a $200,000 or a $300,000 house two years ago or a year ago or six months ago, but now I can't. I, I still have my job. My credit's still good, but an interest rate has gone from 3% to 7, thereby cutting my, my purchase price capability in half. This is going to get blown. And, and I, you guys keep asking me, does, do I sell now? Do I buy now? I don't know. All I can advise you is you need to do what I've always said with real estate. You need to always buy with an extra strategy. And the debt that you have, you need to make sure that when things go sideways, you can still service it. If you can't make your house payment two months into a job loss, then you should not be buying a house right now. How about cars? Tonight? I, same same thing. Cars are stupid. People are paying $100,000 for cars now. My first freaking house was $84,000. And it was an 1,800-square-foot 3-2. Right, I, paying a hundred thousand dollars for a car right now doesn't even make any sense to me. Uh, Anon said, "You need a new car. Well, you need to find a car that works for you with the same deal. You need to be able to service any debt you have on it. Uh, cars probably won't crash as hard as real estate because they'll just because all you do when you have weakness in the automotive market is you make less cars. That's all you do, right? Where real estate's kind of accounted for, right?" It's, it's, it's a different thing, but be careful with, uh, with what you spend money on right now, period. When we go into recession, then cash is, is of extreme value. And I keep getting people, well, I gotta get rid of my cash, man, because inflation, inflation is the cost of opportunity in a, in a, in a, um, in a downturn. So we hold some cash reserves so that if we end up with a big hit, right? If we end up with a big hit to the economy, that cash can now be used to buy the things that are devalued because what usually happens, and it's happening again, as the economy craters, the cost of credit increases. So we need to have a cash reserve so we can capitalize on the opportunity. So if your money loses 4% value, but your purchasing capability on big ticket items goes up by 20 or 30 or 40%, You just paid an insurance premium. And that doesn't mean all your investments are all your money, but you need to start thinking that way. You need to have some dry powder for the opportunities that are, that are coming in. Because again, watching people pay a hundred thousand dollars for a Ford pickup truck, it is the stupidest thing. And I don't know, maybe that market does crash and burn because how long can that go on? Unless you inflate your way to that making sense, which is even worse. So, again, the time to prep, my friends, is now because this is, keeps getting worse. Um, I thought this was fun. I, I, we need some fun stuff. And there are people that I don't know, like, they just they have a hard time, like, just enjoying themselves once in a while. They think anybody that says anything good about anything is turned into some sort of hero worship or something. But I thought this was fun. Uh, for those watching this, this is Elon Musk yesterday. Walking into Twitter headquarters, and he's that, that's a sink he's carrying. So he brought a sink with him into Twitter headquarters. I, I wanted to say just a minute about what I think this symbolizes. 
You know, everything but the kitchen sink, people were saying. Some people were taking snide comments. Since he overpaid, he had to bring his own sink. He couldn't afford one that was there or something. I think Elon Musk can afford anything he wants. Um, I think this means I'm coming to clean house. Uh, it's been leaked that Elon plans on laying off as much as 75% of the Twitter workforce. Personally, I think that is totally doable. I think there are an awful lot of people at Twitter that don't actually do anything meaningful. Uh, we talked about quietly quitting a while ago where that's where people show up to work every day and they do the absolute minimum to keep their jobs and they don't really dedicate themselves to their work at all. And that more and more Americans are doing that. I guarantee you in a social justice warrior shithole like Twitter, that's going on on a huge basis. Um, again, I'm not putting Elon Musk up on a pedestal. And in fact, The people that I know what I'm about to tell you from don't like him because he's such a tough son of a bitch when it comes to what I'm about to say. You don't get to do that when you work for Elon Musk. You don't get to be, you know, the Peter Gibbons. It's like I, I actually do about three hours of work a week. You know, like I pretend that I'm working. I just stare at my screen. Remember the movie? Um, you, you don't, you don't get that opportunity with, with Elon Musk. When Elon Musk takes over a company, It is standard course of operations that anybody that's seen as any kind of a drag is immediately shit canned. And so I think that's about to happen. And when I look at Twitter, the reason I say I think you can afford to do it is because of, well, how little that they actually do to solve problems that they actually could solve. And, and what I mean by that is, for instance, the bot problem. The bot problem could be solved in a day. You want to solve a bot problem on Twitter? You allow people to get verified for $10. One-time payment of $10. Or $5. $4.99. You could do a lot of things with the Bitcoin Lightning Network as well, but just regular payment. You want to get a blue check? You fill out a form. You get verified uh, one way or another for $10, $15, $9.99, whatever it is. One-time payment. And then all that would happen is anybody like me that's getting all these bot comments and bot DMs and everything would say, only verified members can comment or uh, interact with me. And you're like, I don't want to pay to interact with you, Jack. Then don't do it. I don't care. Like, I'll survive without your comments on Twitter. And I think most people that use Twitter heavily would e easily be happy to pay five, ten bucks. Get your little blue check instead of it being something that gives the left authority That's one answer. There's a ton of answers. But if there's any cost per account, the idea that you can spin up a thousand bots tomorrow at no cost, and that's what they do, is gone and dead. So that's just one example. There are so many things that could have been done for so long to improve the experience at Twitter beyond just stop censoring everything you don't agree with. And so what are all these people doing? What are all these people doing? Building platforms for ads to be on? How about giving us an ad-free option? I'd give Twitter three, four bucks a month to never see an ad again. And that's probably more money than they get for putting ads in front of me. And then we're back to that again. Like, you can give me certain, like, give me then as a Twitter user the ability to say you can interact with me. Because basically, I would say anybody, skin, and somebody said it right there as soon as I said Greek country agroforestry, skin in the game is effective. And profitable. Yeah. Anybody that has any skin in the game, I would let her interact with me. 
if it was a 99 cent charge to be uh, verified as a real entity, how many how many times can you spend a dollar on a bot account before it gets to be prohibitively expensive? I, I, there's so many ways we could do that. Um, Hunter says that he heard Musk is looking for maybe a V for V thing on Twitter. Yeah, maybe we'll see. You can already do that with Aldi, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I just think it's cool, and I'm, I'm I'm turning the corner into the concept of the left is losing because this is part of the left losing. This is this may be. And like I said, we have to see what Elon does. Does he walk the talk now going forward? But this is maybe a bigger loss for the left than the coming election loss that we're going to get to in a minute. This has been their world for so long. They don't know how to, they don't know how to conceive of a world where it's not. The, the two largest disseminators of information on the planet today are Twitter and Facebook. They're the two largest disseminators of information. They were for the whole COVID thing. They've been for politics for years. They've always been incredibly left-leaning. And the, and, the, and the left and the media and the government have had this in their pocket. So does, does Elon Musk rug pull us? Maybe. And bluntly, when you put up 50 million bucks, you get to do what you want. That's kind of our point in him opening things up for actual discussion. I think it's very difficult for him now, at least in the short term, over the next couple of years, to not do what he said he's going to do because he's got all this money thrown into this now, all these investors that you're accountable to, this entire way that you came into it. And I'm not, I'm still not totally convinced that he ever expected to end up here. I think this was a publicity stunt that turned into a purchase, not a purchase for the purpose of a publicity stunt. But one way or another, we're there now. And he's going to run with it. And when they don't get to silence stories anymore, when they don't get to shadow ban people like me, I, I, I've got like 18 or 19,000 Twitter followers. I put something up and 200 people see it. I'm still at least partially shadow banned. I'm sorry. I am. Like it, you just those rate. I don't expect to have 19,000 Twitter followers put something up and over 24 hours have 19,000 people see it because you know, you're not using your account. You have a life, whatever. Some of those people don't ever log in. But I expect 5%, maybe 6 or 7, something like that, like of, of active users that follow me to see my shit. At least something. Maybe not everything, but something. And they don't. They are throttling things. They are controlling who sees what. Right now, if you are a Twitter user... And you get on there and you follow nobody from the left. All you see is leftist bullshit. All you see is leftist politicians. Left. Now, I have a thing. I pretty much block all politicians. I, blo I block all advertisers and I block, block all politicians. So I'm weeding that out. But it's, it's rife with it. Rife with just leftist propaganda. And I'm not talking about the new. I'm talking in your feed. Seeing people you do not follow and they weren't retweeted or liked or something by somebody you follow, like it's rife with it. This hurt. This is the left losing. Now, again, whether Elon meant it or not, I don't know. I, I kind of felt going in like it was never going to happen. It was one of those things I got wrong. I said he'll never do it and he did. 
I still kind of feel like he tried to get out of it, didn't he? And like he 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 threw so much balls in that the court was kind of like, no, you you kind of made a deal now, dude. And I I think part of that was trying to negotiate the price down. Now, this is a prediction that I have. I'm pretty firm on this prediction being the case. I predict a massive lawsuit from Elon Musk and his investors uh, early next year. Because what's what's happened now is, and I'm sure there was a lot of digital shredding and shit going on, but they now have the keys to the kingdom, and they're going to go in there, and they're going to say over and over again, Paragog Wall and the rest of his ilk all said that the bots were 5 to 10% of the total Twitter users. And they're going to have absolute concrete evidence of how bad the problem is. And anybody that's a user knows it's worse than 5%. We, uh, you want to see a bot? Go on Twitter, make a tweet, put the word Bitcoin in it, and watch the bots come. You're a nobody. You have three followers. You say Bitcoin, you'll get a thing that's something like, you should, it'll be some technical analysis sounding bullshit. And it'll say, and my life got better when I started following this other asshole over here that's also a bot account. You should totally follow him. That'll happen in seconds, every time over and over and over again. So they're going to take this evidence. They're going to file a lawsuit against the people that got the most money out of the deal, like Parag, and say, you owe us money because we overpaid for the company because you officially lied in legal documents, and here's conclusive proof that it happened. Whether it works or not, I do not know, but that freaking lawsuit is going to happen. I would do it. I would do it. Even if you lose, you get to make a point. And Elon loves to make points. Moving on. Newspeak continues. Now, those of you who are familiar with the concept of Newspeak know that it comes from 1984. And Newspeak is a variety of things. Newspeak is, one, we make certain words no longer available. You can't use this word. It's not an approved word. The dictionary got smaller. Right. The approved words. But another component to, to Newspeak is we change the very definition of a word, what a word means. And if we keep changing the definition of what words mean, we can say anything we want and we're never lying because it doesn't mean what you thought it meant. I'm sorry you didn't have the uh, party's latest edition of the approved use of language. And so what I have in the show notes is that annual now means three times a year. Now, I don't think this is actually a uh, an attempt at Newspeak. It just is a resulting Newspeak. And whether it's due to Dementia Joe uh, or his staff or just, like, not paying attention, I'm not sure. But this seems a pretty, you know, you're probably not going to go get the clot shot or nothing because you saw this. But, of course, when the uh, power elite go and get either their actual injection or their saline, who knows, because uh, you can't risk Brandon collapsing after an injection on live TV, um, they have to, like, advertise, hey, look what I did. You should do it, too, right? Like, Elmo will tell you to get the clot shot. Brandon will tell you to get the clot shot. So you look at this, and it doesn't look like that big a deal. And for those who can't see it, it's, it's, it's Biden's official uh, Twitter account. It says, got my annual updated shot today. You should get yours to for real. Vaccines.gov. Now, this isn't here nor there about vaccines. Google, YouTube, you don't get to shut me off. I'm not saying anything bad about the vaccine. I'm keying in, and it's all circled there in red. The word is annual. 
What does annual mean, friends and neighbors? You guys that are in the live chat, let me know what annual means to you. What is the definition of annual? How many times a year is something if it's annual? Anybody got an answer for me? I don't know how long the lag is. Once a year from Hunter. I think maybe Twitch is a little faster on the uh, lag than, than YouTube, right? Um, every year. Once a year. Here it comes now. Everybody's answering. Once a year. Every year. So we all thought the annual event once a year. And now that's the narrative they're pushing for the clot shot. That once a year you get your clot shot and your flu shot. I will get exactly as many clot shots as flu shots, by the way. Last time I had a flu shot was 1995, and I got the flu, and I haven't had one ever since, right? Um, but, yeah, annual once a year. Do you know how many clot shots POTUS has had this year? Three. He just got his annual shot third time this year. So annual now means three in the upside-down clown world that we all live in. And this is, I think this type of nonsense is why murder is on the menu for the Democrat Party in the coming uh, midterm election. And I, I, I don't go deep into electoral politics. I don't, I, I don't vote. I call it the slave suggestion box, but I, I never tell anybody not to vote. And elections do matter to a degree because it has a lot to do with the propaganda that comes out and which side of the total agenda is advanced. But I also do take some solace in one side being completely abusive and watching them get their balls kicked into their throat. I, I, I do kind of enjoy that. And this is the Senate map now. And this is over at Real, Real Clear Politics. And if you actually want to pay attention to elections, the source that has been the best at predicting elections has been RCP. And it's not because they're smart. It's because of their method. What Real Clear Politics does is they take everybody's polls, knowing that polls are always biased by the authority or entity doing the poll, and they aggregate an average. So, When you have a right-wing entity do a poll, they're gonna they're gonna angle it toward making their side look a little better. And most of the polling organizations are left-wing, and they're gonna angle it that way. But if we take them all and we stick them together in a great big mixer and we do an aggregate average, we get a much more clear picture of what is likely to occur. Not that long ago, the map that you're looking at right now made it very clear that it was most likely that the Democrats would hold the Senate, and, and they would actually probably gain seats. So right now, it's a split 50-50, basically, uh, and with, with Kamala heels up, casting a deciding vote, effectively giving control to the Democrats in the Senate. The map, for those that can't see it right now, shows like a solid projection, 48 Republicans, 46 Democrats, six toss-ups. Now, No one ever wins all the toss-ups. Think about that when we look at the House map next, because that's going to get really bloody for the Democrats. But let's look at the toss-ups and, and where we think they can go. Right now, almost all the toss-ups tend to lean toward the Democrats. So if they took them all, we would be 52-48 Democrat. But I want to talk about some things where I don't see that happening. Number one, Pennsylvania, after the debate between Oz and Fetterman, 
I don't see Fetterman winning Pennsylvania. I actually see the Republic or the Democrat remaining the governor in Pennsylvania and a split between independent voters in Pennsylvania and Dr. Oz becomes a member of the Senate. That's not a cheer. It's just a fact. And I take this mostly from two different left wing journalists who both ensconce themselves in like politics bars in like places like Philadelphia and watch the debate and watch the reaction of people that were naturally predisposed to vote Democrat and how, how strong their reaction was to know this is not going to, no, we can't do this. This guy like him or hate him, whatever. So I think Pennsylvania goes to the Republicans. Now you're 49. Now you're 49. We need 51 to get there. I think Walker ends up taking Georgia because Kemp beats Abrams. And I think that's strong enough to pull and, and, and reduce the split. And then what just happened in Pennsylvania, I think hurts the Democrats everywhere because even Democrats are saying, we're going to reload there. Even Democrats are saying, this is a scandal. And I don't mean members of the party. I mean leftists, left-leaning voters, left-leaning media are saying, like, this thing with Fetterman should have never happened. It's too late to bail now. Wisconsin, I think that stays with Democrats. So now we're at, you know, we're at 49, 47. Uh, New Hampshire, I think, stays with Democrats. We're at 49, 48. Arizona and Nevada, I think, are really strongly likely to go to the Republican. I know that that's... So now you're at like, um, you know, 51-48, 52-48. I, I, I don't see a path to victory for the Democrats in, in the House. I'm sorry, the Senate anymore. I don't see it. And it could it happen? Sure. Sure. And I'm not going to get too bogged down about it. What I actually want to show you, though, is the next map. The next map is brutal. The next map is the, the map for the control of the House. And so I said weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that the Senate was most likely going to stay with the Democrats. That has swung in the past couple weeks. And I said that the Republicans would take the House. This is brutal for those that can't see it. This is your projection minus toss-ups at 225 Republican, 175 Democrat. Remember what I said? Nobody wins all the toss-ups. If the Democrats took 100% of the toss-ups, this would work out to 225-205, 20 seats majority in the House. I don't even think, I think some of these things over here that say lean Democrat on the projection, I think some of these go to Republicans. There are going to be House seats in in Texas, in, in the Rio Grande Valley, that, and there's already one from a special election. There's at least two more that I believe are going to go to Republicans, and they have not been in Republican control for a 100-plus years. This is a blowback that is a bigger blowback than will put the orange man in office in 2016. People are fed up, and the Democrats deserve this. This, and I said not long ago on social media, and even some of my own, you guys, some of my own folks kind of pushed back on me and and said that it's an overplay. And I said this whole, like, grooming children, uh, having, you know, discussions with kids in early, it's like first, second grade, kindergarten, about chemical castration. Like, this is a hill the Democrats have chosen to die on, and it's a very stupid move. And it wasn't all that. No, they have chosen to die on this hill. 
And if you choose a hill like that to die on, all I'm saying is let's, let's, let's bring all the artillery and kill you on the hill. And that coupled with this, like, let them eat cake attitude of telling you when you go to the grocery store every week that it's not as bad as you think it is. It's all a, it's all a Republican conspiracy. Your food really isn't more expensive. It's a global recession. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you know what the global reserve currency is? Do you know who caused the global inflationary recession? Yeah, we did it. I think telling people times are good when they're bad and trying to blame Vladimir Putin for everything blows up in your face. I think the fact that somebody that's going to go vote that's really on that wishy-washy, not sure where they're going to vote, sometime within a day or two before they vote, is going to put gas in their car and go to the grocery store. I'm telling you, this is going to hurt and good. Now, again, some of you take way too much comfort in this. First of all, you still have a dementia patient under the control of, of the leftist oligarchs in the White House that does whatever the teleprompter says, if he can actually read it accurately. Um, Most things are going to come, and, and but here's what you're going to get, and this is where I think you get to have some, at least some entertainment in the Ask Clown Circus in the next two years. If you get the, and this is why the, the, the Republic, I'm sorry, the Democrats are shitting their pants about this. If you get both the House and the Senate under the control of Republicans by even one vote in the Senate, you get committees acting in both chambers. And since there's like nothing we're going to agree upon and, and the whole thing is going to be Brandon doesn't get shit that he wants. And the only legislation that gets passed is going to be the stuff that has to pass for the next two years. We have nothing else to do. Well, let's wheel Fauci in and let's start asking some actual hard questions with nobody running cover fire as a committee chair about the origin of the virus in Wuhan. Regardless of how it works out, you get that hard. You get a whole bunch of, let's get some FBI officials in here and talk about how you don't seem to care about child pornography anymore or human trafficking, but you're worried about throwing grandma in jail for showing up to a protest. And you don't get any cover from a committee chair. Now, if you have this going on in the House, there's a lot of things you can do to quell that. If you have this as a coordinated attack by Republican leadership, in the House and the Senate simultaneously, you do not get to impeach Brandon. Now, they might impeach Brandon, but it'll be stupid, just like it was stupid to impeach Trump. You'll never get 66 senators to remove Brandon from office. Now, his own party might kind of shove him out of the way. Oh, and watch this, guys. You know how they're all defending Brandon right now? The second this this election ends, the second this election ends, win, lose, or draw, Brandon, he going under the bus hard. They know they got to get rid of this guy. They know they got to get rid of this guy. How much did Fauci make off the vaccine? Go get him, Rand. That's what Thad says. I'm telling you, things like that. Like, can you imagine Rand Paul without a committee chair to stop him on that attack when he knows he's going to use it to raise funds for his next election? It'll be pretty gruesome. What if it's Rand Paul who is the chairman of the committee investigating Fauci and his ilk? You see where I'm going? And they're, they are way more terrified 
of Senate committees than House committees. I won't get into why today, but that's what's going on. On top of this, I said the left is losing, and they're losing hard, and they're losing everywhere. There's a, a, a Supreme Court case that's about to be heard. And, of course, every, the right-wing Supreme Court, the right-wing, the ultra-maga Supreme Court, you know, because no, nothing exemplifies ultra-maga like Amy Comey Barrett, right? Um They're about to hear another case you haven't heard anything about, likely. And it's a big one. It's a case about affirmative action in the university system. So right now, if you want to go to a university, you have bonus points. Let's just put it that way that you get for, like, all the things that you can tick off as, as, as a part of the Oppression Olympics. You're a woman, tick. You're a, a, a you know race other than white, tick. And they've even started to do things with for transgendered and whatever. And basically, you get preferential treatment for admission into universities and colleges in everything from, you know, Ivy League down to, like, ones that take quite a bit of public funding. This is racism. This is sexism. This is not okay. They, this is not, it, I do not believe that it is okay to discriminate on somebody based on the color of their skin, their gender, their religion, their national origin. I don't think it's okay to discriminate on anybody, specifically in the public sector. If you run a private institution only funded with private money, I might think you're scum for doing it, but I think you have a right to do it. None of these entities are existing outside of the public sector. Just the shelter that they're granted alone in their endowments from like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, et cetera. This is, there's a lot of public money involved in these private institutions. How much of their money comes from students or are granted student loans that comes from publicly backed funds from the government? Like, this is like saying, you know, what, we're not going to hire people to work for the Department of Sanitation unless they're black. Or unless they're white. Both are equally wrong. Right? So, they're taking this case up. And when I look at the judicial background of the majority of the court, I think this is going to be like a big old backup and a full-on run ball kick into the throat of the left right here. And unlike a lot of election nonsense, hooey, this actually matters. But will it? Will it? What if the court says you can't do this anymore and the university system says, yeah, we're going to do it anyway, and the executive branch says, yeah, we're not going to do anything about it, go screw. You think that can't happen? Well, there was a decision recently. I thought it was bigger than it was. But a New York Supreme Court judge, Supreme Court, ruled that New York City acted improperly when it dismissed 16 sanitation workers for refusal to get the clot shot, and that the city was to, this is a Supreme Court ruling for the state of New York, to immediately reinstate these people and give them back pay for every day that they were off that they were discharged. Now, that could be precedent eventually and affect other people, but it was only for these 16. And the city of New York said, yeah, we're not going to do that. Now, if I get a judgment from, from the New York Supreme Court, and I say I'm not going to do that, Do you know what happens? These guys come to my house, put bracelets on me and kidnap me, put me back in front of the judge. The judge makes me apologize for contempt of court. 
and then punishes me severely for not uh, obeying his ruling. And if I, if I, and the only way I'm really going to get out of this is to do it. I'm forced into compliance. That's what happens if you're me. But the city of New York, nothing is happening. Nothing is happening to anybody. They're all protected. They have all kinds of qualified immunity. That's not just police officers, guys. That these people are able to get away with this shit. And, and this is where it gets dangerous. When justice becomes impossible, revolution becomes inevitable. That is a play on something that's been said before. When peaceful revolution becomes impossible, violent revolution becomes inevitable. But in this case, the people who were victimized, played by the system's rules, spent the money, did the work, did everything they were supposed to do within the framework of the system. The system itself said, you were wronged. Here is remedy. Here is justice. And the other party said, don't care. Now start thinking about shit like this happening at a federal level, which is what I think we're stepping into next year on top of all the recessionary bullshit that I just talked about. And on top of the collapse of the real estate market, you're about to see a landslide of victories by the right and the government just saying, yeah, it doesn't matter. We're not doing it anyway. I know we'll put the orange man back in place 2024. Well, that'll be 2024-5 before he or DeSantis or whoever takes over. What happens in the interim? When justice becomes impossible, revolution becomes inevitable. And you think they don't know it. And you think, and, and Crystal says, I think in the Harvard case, I think it was because they were not admitting Asian kids or something like that. Yeah, they said they were too smart. They were too smart. They were making it harder for Asians to get into Harvard because they're too smart. But once you have this ruling, it sets precedent. And then they're going to keep doing it. And I'm telling you, we're going to get into some real bad shit. And I got one more negative thing before we throw some solutions at you. You might have missed this, but the United States has deployed the 101st Airborne Unit into Romania. And you may not have a map of the world or a globe or anything, but um, the, the country we call Romania is kind of like right there with the Ukraine. It's like, yeah, it's kind of in striking distance, like there's a border. Yeah. Now, there's some things going on here. Number one, the last time the 101st Airborne Division was deployed, and it's not the entire division, it's like 4,000 troops. But the last time the 101 was deployed into Europe, it was World War II. That's symbolic. Number two is a lot of people hear airborne. And what do you think when you hear airborne? You think guys like me that I was in the Army and we jumped out of airplanes with a parachute. You know, we call the badge, we called it a push-up flower. And uh, you're basically kind of like floating down and hope, I hope nobody shoots me before I get on the ground, man. That's what you think of as airborne. The 101... The 101 is an airborne unit, and I would imagine most of the 101 infantry is, you know, traditionally airborne qualified. But when they say 101 airborne, that's not their modus operandi. We haven't had a mass drop 
since World War II. I, maybe we have one in Korea. We did have like a token one done in Desert Storm. But, but airborne school is almost archaic at this point. Like we don't drop soldiers out of airplanes in mass. Like SEALs do, uh, uh what, high out halo jumps and stuff like that. But like we don't drop 20,000 guys with parachutes behind enemy lines anymore because of the way modern weaponry works. We have, we have held on to it. We have held on to it because the potential to need it is still there. And the, 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 the way that it might go down is still there, but we generally don't do it. And I've been stalling. I want to see if anybody knew. Anarchy has it. Air assault. Air assault is where a helicopter hovers and all the guys in the helicopter that want to go down and make bad guys dead go out the side of the helicopter and down a rope. We used to call that badge dope on a rope. But you had a lot less time to get popped when you're on your way down. Right? You're going down 50 feet instead of 800 feet or 600 feet on a low altitude jump or what have you. And you're not floating. You're down fast. It's fast rope. And the current 101, its modus operandi was really developed during the Vietnam War. Basically, a fast-moving cavalry type, not heavy cavalry, like light cavalry type, uh, type troop, move fast, hit, move out, move again. And the helicopter replaced the horse. Uh, there's a, a, a really great movie about all of this um, called We Were Soldiers that Mel, Mel Gibson was in. And he even gives a speech to that effect because it really is. So the 101 is designed to have that type of quick strike, quick support, quick annihilation, and quick removal. Now, if you were going to start interfering in a conflict between two countries, you might take and put a division that does that within striking distance of that whole thing. Um, and then if you wanted to be symbolic in it, you might choose something like the 101 in its relationship to World War II in the European theater. You just might do that. Now, so... In of itself, that's not good, and it's worse than most people will tell you because they don't know what I just told you. Um, the other side of it, I really think, because of all the stuff that I said, that's why I held this to the end, that the Brandon administration is doing everything it can to hold the Senate because it knows if it doesn't hold the Senate, all hell's going to break loose. And you can see that they've given up a lot on 2022 already because you got Hillary Clinton coming out as a Democrat mouthpiece already claiming the Republicans are going to steal the 2024 election. Can we get through this one? I think they are trying to do everything they can to at least hold the Senate and use anything they can to look strong, look powerful, look like things are still okay, and try to cling to that last little thing that they can get out of this because they know the House is gone. And I expect and I hope there's back-channel communications with the Kremlin. Kind of like, you know, remember remember Obama? Tell Vladimir I'll have more flexibility after the next election. Like that kind of thing's going on. And that a lot of this rhetoric, not support for Ukraine, but this rhetoric that sounds like, hey, we're going to get involved. We're going to become an active component will get backed down after the election. I could be wrong about that. That's that's as much a prediction as a hope. Because I would really like to avoid World War III 
not just in my lifetime, but in the lifetime of anybody that's alive right now. If we could get through another few generations, maybe we could figure out how to avoid it forever. And it's amazing because right now the entire impetus is that if you're not supporting World War III, you're anti-Ukraine and you're pro-Putin. And it's like the world is being drugged against its will in a world war. And the reason that's scary, even though I think we have a pretty good buffer between then and now, that buffer can erode fast in every world war, including the ones that weren't called world wars. That's how it happened. We think of World War One. they shot the Archduke Ferdinand. And world War One was a long, slow fall into war. And there were a lot of people, including a lot of military people in the nations that went to war eventually going, no, you do not want this. I can't remember who it was, but it was a French general that said, what were these people to know of war who have, who have experienced a century of peace leading into World War One, World War Two. there were so many opportunities for that to be avoided. And yet the world got drugged into another global conflict. And so it concerns me. So what do we do? Nothing's changed. The stuff I recommend is still the same. I, I know that like with all this shit going on, when I say homesteading and permaculture, hey, you got to eat and we got to build strength in our local communities and being able to, the, the first security is food security. So whatever, I mean, at minimum, have a good productive garden. Unless you, like, if you live in an apartment and you can't do it, I, I, I get it. At least start growing your salad with hydroponics or something and find people that you can get together with and work together with. Build wealth. Build wealth. And I, I know that I talk about Bitcoin and, hey, with CBDCs and stuff, yeah, but you know what? Wealth is so much more than money. Wealth is that productive food system. Wealth is owning real property that's either paid for or so equity heavy that you are going to be able to keep it. Wealth is skill set, knowledge. Wealth is strong, tight community. Wealth is, in the words of Buckminster Fuller, the number of days you can go forward if you can't work anymore. How long can you exist without a job or your business's income? How resilient is your job or your business income? We, we really need to be thinking that way heavily right now because there's, there's a problem that people have in their head right now. Oh yeah, we're going to have a recession. And most people that are old enough to care have been through at least one recession now. Some of us have been three or four recessions that we've seen in our lives. I, I'm old enough that I remember the tail end of the seventies. I remember the stock market crash of 1987, actually fairly well for someone that was my age at the time. I remember the 70s recession and the gas crisis in the late 70s heavily because my dad ran a gas station and tire shop. It was an independent business person. So I paid attention more than most little kids that were still running around with their, you know, picking their nose. Certainly remember the 90s recession. I remember Y2K, not Y2K, uh, 2000, right? And the dot com bust. And we all remember 08, 07. So we see these recessions and this duration of a couple to four or five years. But as I talked about recently, if you go back and you look at where the market was on Black Friday in 1929 when the Great Depression hit, 
It was over 20 years. No, the World War II ended the Great Depression. Go look at the numbers. No, it did not. Were things better than they were at the bottom? Yeah, but they weren't. It, we, it took until I think it was 64 or 66 to regain the all-time high after the Great Depression. We are so much more leveraged now. We are so much more deep in fiat agony now. Remember, at least we still had a gold standard when the Great Depression started, and we only partially came off of it, and we didn't fully decouple from it until 71, and we really didn't under the U.S. dollar fully decouple in 75 when private ownership of gold became legal again. That's all gone now. $31 trillion in debt. The amount, I won't even say the amount of unfunded liabilities in the United States anymore because it's such a big number, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. It's, it's an undoable number. It is, it is awful. So you need to build wealth beyond dollars. I'll just leave it at that today. So gold, silver, Bitcoin, property, food production, etc. Build community. You are not going to get through this alone. You are not going to grow all your own food. You and your two neighbors are not going to grow all of your own food together. You need community, local and non-local community working together. We're going to need networks more than we've ever needed them before. More than we ever needed them before. And there's never been a time where we've hated each other more. We've needed each other more and at the same time hated each other. You're going to have to start making peace with some people that you think are your enemies. And you're going to have to start looking around and realizing we're not each other's enemies. It's them. And if you can see the person, it's not them. The people doing all this shit are like that fat-ass job that I showed you that was telling you earlier how great it'll be when they know when you spend even $50 what you spend it on and they get to decide whether you get to spend it or not. Your neighbor that voted the wrong way for the wrong ass clown or that doesn't agree with you about some other bullshit is not Jabba. And when they figure out Jabba is, they're going to see that too. The, The question is, will you figure out who Jabba is, who the Jabbas of the world are? And remember, he's just a mouthpiece. He's just a front, big old mouthpiece, but just a front. The real people in charge, you don't even ever see them. They're not Satan Schwab. They're not the the chairman of the Federal Reserve. They're not all these people you see. They're all the gazillionaires behind the scenes that pull those puppet strings. You never even hear their names. You'll never know who they are. You're not supposed to. Next up, and it's interesting, trial and error said, develop marketable skill and garden, you'll be okay. My next thing says develop skills. Develop skills. Be able to do some shit right now while I'm doing this. I've got a handyman out fixing some stuff for me on my outdoor kitchen because I don't have time to do it. I'm going to pay him money to do that because he has a skill set. You know who's not doing it? Somebody doesn't have a skill set. I wouldn't hire that person to fix a thing. There's tons of opportunity to develop skill sets that have real value. And in that community you build, build a market. Next, you better educate the next generation when I said that the left, when I said that the left has chosen things like grooming children as the hill to die on, it's only a piece of the thing. What they've decided is they want your children because the left is much better about thinking 10 to 20 years out than the right is. That's something that they're not for better, but they're better at for their agenda. They know. 
that if you take a generation of youth, that in, in 10 to 20 years, you control everything. Don't let them have your kids. I'm not going to get on homeschooling right now. I'm not going to get on homeschooling. And K-Bonk says UH1 pilots. I wonder if you actually mean U2 pilots there, dude. Anyway, um, yeah, don't let them have your kids. Whether they're in school or not, you need to take personal responsibility that your children understand what's going on in the world around them. And a lot of it, they need to be sheltered from. I said something to my wife the other day, and the grandkids were around, and I said something about taking their innocence. And my grandson, who's getting older, said, well, how would they take our innocence? And I said, if they explained it to you, if I explained it to you, I would take your innocence from you. We need to not just teach them the right way. We need to preserve their innocence and let them be freaking kids. Because part of this idea, if you make the young child's mind mature faster than what is natural, you destroy the maturation process, you make it malleable and controllable, and you pour whatever you want into it. You will not have my kids. Don't let them have yours either. And get the hell out of the way. Remember uh, Karate Kid? I think it was Karate Kid 2. Was it 2? Because 3 was the common, like, ridiculously stupid, like, Disney movie. Ha, 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 one, right? Uh, the one where I think they, they they went to Okinawa. And he was teaching Daniel with the thing that would come and cut you open if you didn't get out of the way, the hook from the ship. Best way to block punch is to no be there, Daniel son. It was 1860 in the United States. The best move you could have made as a person with any means at all would have been to like move to like Massachusetts or Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, northern New York. Get out of the way of a war that you can't stop. We got wars coming, whether we get World War III or not. We have a domestic war coming. We have a domestic civil war. Whether it's something like the 1960 civil rights movement on steroids, worse than that, not quite. I don't know. But the shit you already saw happen, where you saw it happen, it's going to happen again, and it's going to be worse than what you saw. I'll say that much. Get out of the way. I've been saying it forever. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Get out of these cities. And this is going to tie in perfectly to my anchor segment tomorrow. I had somebody ask me, where are all these people in my small town coming from? Whether they know it or not, they are taking my advice. They're getting out of the way. And they're using, well, they're using tools to get there that they may not continue to be able to rely on. And so if you're going to take this approach, you don't miss tomorrow's anchor segment on the expert council show. I am all for getting out. I'm all for leveraging domestic arbitrage. I've been telling you to do it for a long time. But you always need to think about having the having a backup plan to your backup plan. I'll leave it at that. With that, I've wrapped things up today. I did start a few things. We're at an hour and thirty. I need to wrap up today, uh, so I'm not gonna. I've done some interaction with you guys. I'm not gonna take any questions directly. Uh, somebody did ask if we get another Jack, Just Jack show on building a business again. I haven't done that in a while, and I, you know, I hadn't done permaculture stuff in a while. We've done some of that lately, so I've knocked that out. Maybe next week we'll do something on starting a business. Maybe Monday we'll do something on starting and building a business, understanding marketing, things like that, because building wealth is going to be incredibly important here. And I'll say it again, guys. Like, I know some of y'all aren't big on TV and all, but if you're going to watch TV, check out shows like The Food That Built America, especially the first season and the first few episodes. It is amazing the fortunes that were built in this country in the middle 
of, and this is something people understand. We were not just in the depression and the great depression. And then we had like this, this great boom in the twenties. We had depressions and recessions in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s as well. The, the boom of the twenties was actually, was actually the exception. Life was pretty hard in the United States from pre-Civil War all the way up to the 20s. A series of booms and busts and more busts and booms. And in that period and in the 30s, both, some of the greatest fortunes were built. And for every, this is something you need to understand. My final advice for you today, so you'll be inspired. For every great fortune that's built, there's a a thousand tiny ones of people that you'll never know. There's 10,000 tiny ones of people that you'll never know. Some of those 10,000 could be you. Don't let anything I said today take away your motivation. Let it fire your motivation. Go out and make shit happen. I'll catch you guys tomorrow with that expert counsel show. I'm telling you, don't miss my segment tomorrow. Take care, guys. See you then. You pull yourself up. They keep bringing you down. Are they gonna bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house the American way. A dollar down, a dollar a month, and you'll never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you. A better way.